The nine o'clock service was a glorious one. We had 45 adults and children and 15 of God's beloved creatures, all of whom were dogs. So I choose to say that we had 60 in attendance at the 9 a.m. Two weeks ago, Martha and I headed to the East Coast, to the beaches of Rehoboth and Lewis, Delaware, to share some time with two friends who have become family to us. In the weeks since that vacation, I find myself in moments of exasperation or frustration, impatience, or disappointment, returning to the muscle memory of my five senses to find my way back home to a sense of peace, of presence, and of praise. I find myself closing my eyes and listening for the sound of the tides, the waves lapping on the sands. I take off my shoes and find myself curling my toes as when I dig my feet into the warm grains of sand. I find myself still with closed eyes, sniffing around for the scents and fragrances one finds at the water's edge. I find myself extending my open palms as if to receive the sacred touch of the breezes, reminding me of the movement of the Spirit at Pentecost. When I take time to sit quietly, patiently, and respectfully in the midst of the frantic pace of my life and place myself as just another vulnerable creature within the created order of things, I am always blessed beyond my wildest expectations and hopes. As human beings, it seems to me that the more intentional we are to acknowledge our place in the family of things, the more we are drawn into creation as an experience of holy communion. Martin Buber, a prominent 20th century philosopher, religious thinker, political activist, and educator, is best known for his 1923 book, I Thou, in which he wrote about two modes of existence and relating, I thou, I it. In this quote, he speaks about a tree. On the one hand, he says, I can assign it, the tree, to a species and observe it as an object. But it can also happen if will and grace are joined, that as I contemplate the tree, I am invited into a relationship and the tree ceases to be an it at all. Think about this truth. If you and I consciously or unconsciously relate to something or someone as an it, as one of those, an other than, as a category, a label, as different and outside, on the margins, we objectify it and therefore distance ourselves and keep ourselves from the possibility of true and right relationship. The it then becomes an opportunity and even a temptation 
for objectivity, bias, prejudice, and yes, even sin. This becomes a very slippery slope in our lives, and we are warned in the scriptures before us today of the perils of just such an unexamined life. In the first lesson from the book of Genesis, we are invited into one of the creation texts, certainly not to be taken literally, and yet full of truth and challenge. We hear God's own voice speaking these words. It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. Now I can go on and on, and I will not. I'm tempted, though. About the translation of the word Adam, we find here as man. What if, instead of man, you heard the words creature of the earth? or earthling, because that's the truest translation of Adam. Leaving us open, then, to an expansive understanding and embrace of the nature of humanity, and not the gendered boxes we have so neatly and destructively constructed over time. What if the Creator was really saying, it is not good that the creature of the earth should be alone. I will make the creature a partner, a helper. And isn't it even more remarkable that the first partners of the creature of the earth, the first partners are indeed every animal of the field, every bird of the air, every fish of the sea each and all of them meant to be helpers and partners of the other creature of the earth. Not some kind of grand domination scheme, not some kind of grand hierarchy, one over the other, but partners. Partnership, mutuality, reciprocity, relationality as primary values embedded in the creation of things right from the very beginning of the divine's own immense and creative act of love. And then, then, the creator takes these partners to the creature of the earth to give each a name. A name, not a label. A name associated with identity, with worth, and with dignity. A name that invites deeper knowing, deeper understanding, deeper respect, and deeper relationship. And once we name, we share our name with another, the relationship then invites deeper vulnerability, deeper affection, and deeper love to grow. When we enter into right relationship with another, with all creation, that can, if we allow it, change everything. And perhaps, first and foremost, it can transform our very hearts. How in your life have you constructed ticky-tacky boxes for those kind of people? For those who do not look like you, believe like you, act like you, love like you. In objectifying the other, you distance yourself in such a way that invites less generosity and more judgment, less understanding 
and greater prejudice. And that kind of less compassion and more objectification breeds suspicion, and suspicion breeds contempt. And once we become full of contempt, then so much more violence, destruction, death, and evil become not only justified as honorable acts worthy of respect, but some of those folks even think they're worthy of reward. It's then that we begin to unfold and withhold forgiveness, vulnerability, and love as the distance between us becomes even more impossible to navigate. Yet the vision we have before us in scripture this morning offers anything but distance and disorder. This is not what we find in the powerful and beautiful creation story. What we find in Genesis is the infinite generativity of the creator inviting the whole of the created order into right relationship, into mutual relationship, where interdependence is at the heart of it all. Thomas Berry once said that we've lost our ability to converse with the natural world. His words for that. We are talking only to ourselves. We are not talking to the rivers. We are not listening to the winds and the stars. We have broken the great conversation. So might we listen more? Might we move toward creation and listen humbly and attentively? Might we amend our lives, repent of the things done and left undone, and simply show up as partners and helpers given one another by the Creator? As activists and seekers together of justice and peace, that is our mission given to us by God in our baptism. Even in the Book of Common Prayer, in the Catechism, the mission of God to us as baptized people, followers of Jesus Christ, is to be the reconcilers, the healers, and the restorers of right relationship in the world. In his most amazing book, and I really, I urge you to really take a look at this book as a possibility for a read in your life. The book is entitled The Great Conversation, Nature and the Care of the Soul, and is written by a historian of the church and a theologian, Dr. Belden Lane. In it, he recounts the story of Barbara McClintock, who won the Nobel Prize in Biology for her work on the cellular structure of corn plants. And he writes, in her acceptance speech in Stockholm, she thanked the corn plants for what they had taught her. She attributed her success to having listened to what the corn stalks were saying, having developed what she called a feeling, a deep relationship with and for the organism. Dr. Lane goes on to quote George Washington Carver, who claimed the very same thing about his work with peanut plants. George Washington Carver wrote this, if you love them enough, anything and everything will talk with you. Lane continues, in each case, these people are recognizing a wisdom and a creativity that comes through the relationship with the created order 
and humbly recognizes the wisdom that comes from beyond themselves, from the created order, from creatures, and from the earth herself. Beloveds of God, creatures of the earth meant to live in holy relationship, in holy communion, as partners and helpers of all in creation. Today we celebrate the witness and the legacy of St. Francis of Assisi. Francis who taught us by his own radical life that all in the created order is family, and as such, no one, no one is outside the margin of the love that makes us relatives of each and all. We are all family. Toward the conclusion of his book, Belden offers this challenge. Religious people are prone to think of God as speaking and acting from above as an authoritative voice micromanaging everything that happens in the natural world. We might do better to conceive of the divine as entering the conversation more intimately from below. Might God be less involved in controlling or directing that in, than in accompanying, giving space, and standing alongside? Might we find the highest expression of God's witness in the recklessly loving gamble God takes in making the world a free partner in its own creation? So here we are on the fifth Sunday of the season of creation 2021. On a Sunday we dare to bless animals when in truth we are the ones so blessed by them. Perhaps we should have been asking them for their blessing on behalf of the divine, who imagined them into a life as partners for the creatures of the earth. And so I invite you to listen, really listen, to the challenging words of Mary Oliver's poem, Wild Geese, as we take our humble, vulnerable place in the family of things. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination calls you like wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. May you and I, in gratitude, in humility, and in partnership, in the love that God has given us before we even were, may we be willing to listen to the voice of the Creator from below, the voice that calls us to our rightful, humble, grateful, wondrous place in true partnership 
with the family of each and all in creation. May you and I be willing to take our place, the real place, the right place of relationship, mutuality, reciprocity, respect and dignity alongside one another and alongside all God's creation in the family of things. For Holy Communion does not happen only around this altar. Holy Communion happens in the life of the world if it's our intention. Amen.